When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. After 25 years of gambling, Howard Reback overcame his own addiction and is living proof that an addiction can be cured quickly and permanently. Howard has built a new career as a counselor, television and radio personality, court-appointed therapist for those in real financial trouble, trying to avoid jail, for example, or from fraudulent acts. Howard's experience led him to create a unique approach to creating compulsive gambling based on practical methods and proven results. His website, thereback.group.com, is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. Howard, welcome back. How are you doing? George, I'm doing great. Thank you ever so much for having me back. It really is nice to be here. Thank you. Looking forward to this. Are you in the States or Canada right about now? No, right now I am in the Montreal, Canada home base, and it is a beautiful 52, 53 degrees, clear, but it's 10 after 3 in the morning. That's that's the only difference. Yeah, but you know how many millions of people are up, Howard, at this hour? Absolutely. No, everything is going good. I, um, I want to first obviously thank you, George, for having me back. Let me wish you, the whole Coast team, all of your listeners, a very happy Ramadan, a very happy Easter, and of course, a very happy Passover. And um, it's just nice to be here and to be able to be the voice for so many hundreds of thousands of people that aren't as lucky as I, that I get to talk about it and, and try and help others. Let's talk about this addiction for a moment. Uh, exactly what is the addiction? And then tell us about the gambling addiction part of it. I, I'm not so sure that I'm smart enough to be able to delineate between what the difference may be, but in my case, when I found out what an actual casino was and what the world of gambling was all about, just like uh, your your intro song right after the news with Frank Sinatra, I fell in love with it. And never in a million years did I ever think that it could turn into something that would literally change my life to the negative, of course, for the first 23, 24, 25 years. And it just somehow seeps into your blood. It becomes part of your DNA. And you literally, literally, you eat 
sleep, drink, and think about the world of gambling 25 hours a day, not even 24. And it, it, it messed my life. It ruined my life. But as you said before, very lucky to be able to come out of the proverbial tunnel on the other end at the ripe old age in my early 60s and have turned things around and, and really am the voice for those who just can't seem to get out of the grips of gambling, George. And there's a big difference, Howard, between those people who want to go to Vegas or go to their local casino, have a little fun and come home and stuff like that. I want people to understand that not everybody's an addicted gambler, right? Oh, uh, of course, of course. I, I, I was never big on numbers and stats because everybody, you know, issues their own numbers. But the number I like to use that I'm comfortable with is that probably somewhere between 4 and 6% of those that gamble are pathological gamblers, which obviously means that 95% aren't, which is to your point, exactly. Now tell us how you hit the bottom and how you pulled yourself back up. Oh, God. As I said last time, I think when I was on in October, it's only a two-hour show. Can I Can I do all that? <laughs> I, plus you, plus you that get point? calls in there. Um, in, my, in my case, it was not unique because now I do this for a living, as you, as you well know, and as you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show. I had a family intervention, and um, in full transparency and disclosure, as you mentioned last time, um, you're friendly with my brother who was home listening in Los Angeles with his lights dim, listening to you and I talk. And he's been there with me since, uh, since day one. And unbeknownst to me, I had a family intervention set up in, uh, in Los Angeles, actually in, uh, in my brother's house. This goes back, you know, 20 plus years ago. And my family called me out on it. I, uh, I lied. Um, I told stories, which was lying, and my whole demeanor as a, as a married man had changed tremendously. I had made the cardinal sin by borrowing money from the wrong people, and that just devastated me and worried the bejeebies out of me, obviously, on a, on, on a daily basis. And I became a different person, and my family is filled with very bright people. Um, and they cut on to me. And like I said, I had an intervention in, uh, in Los Angeles. And I thought I was going there for a few days to hang out with my brother and uh, have In-N-Out burgers, but that's not the case. And at a certain point, George, um, in his home, in his home, I could picture the chair that I was sitting in, along with a couple of cousins and, and Billy. They called me out on it. And I just gave up. I gave in. And thank God I did. Thank God they did. And thank God that they knew what they were doing. And I don't know if I could have lasted George much longer. Howard, did. Deep, deep down inside, did you know you had a problem? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I used to have what I call the three o'clock sweats. When you wake up 3 o'clock in the morning sweating about the money you owe and how sick it was in my brain, how sick it was to actually worry about the money that I owed in addition to worrying about where I'll get the next chunk of change to go back and play. How 
crazy is that? I mean, I'm, I didn't go to Yale or Harvard, but I still went to college. I like to think that I'm of above average intelligence, but it completely takes over every aspect of your life, including the thinking process, which I didn't have at all. Imagine to know you owe so much and still look where you can get the next fix. It was, to say awful, would be the understatement of the year. Yeah. I'm assuming that you lost a lot. What if you had won? What would have changed? It's a great, it's, it, it, it's a great question. You know, when, when I was on a roll winning, which, by the way, again, in full disclosure, full transparency, it doesn't happen for very long. If you're a sick gambler like I was, a good roll and a good span could be a couple of days, certainly not more than a week. So when things went well, they went fantastically well and it's the old it's the old theory when you win you think that you have your system in place and that you know better than everybody else which of course is complete nonsense because the only ones that win are the casino operators and or the government that owns the casino vegas was not built by winners that's for sure well said exactly well said and and when i was on a losing streak which would be um most of the time it was horrific, but what we do as, as and I don't want to keep using the, the term sick gamblers because I think everybody can be fixed, and that's, that's my, 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 my modus operandi in life sure. right now is to help everybody, especially those that think they can't get help, is to change the mode of thinking that you cannot win, and I repeat, unless you're the owner of the casino. Nothing goes on forever. Obviously, it's all luck. There are no systems, and the only way to really win is not to gamble. That's it. It's really simple. But while you're in the throes of gambling, it's very tough to get out because we chase the money that we lost, which can never happen. We can never get it back. It doesn't happen. I'm at this for 40-plus years, George, on both sides of the game, and... I've never seen it happen yet. And the only way to get out of the grips of the gambling world is to quit. That's it. Now, stop. Put the brakes on. Change. And what is the definition of an addicted gambler? Is it somebody who loses more than they have? I mean, what if, what if you're Jeff Bezos and you've got billions of dollars, and so he goes to Vegas, gambles a million, loses it, and says, and says, well, I got $200 million left, or $200 billion. Does, does that make him an addicted gambler? It's a, it's, it's a great question. It's like a very skinny person going to a buffet and eating them out. You know, are they, you know, are, are they excessive eaters? Well, the answer is yes. And I like to use the example, and I, I don't want to throw names around, but it's, it's public knowledge that uh, Mr. Jordan of basketball fame is a, is a crazed gambler, just like Barkley is. And I only say that because they go on national TV and they, they talk about it. And matter of fact, Barkley was on Fallon maybe about a month ago and I saw the interview and I, I cringed. I was embarrassed for him. He, he was laughing. He would say that he would go. And again, to your point, George, he would go to Vegas and he would lose two, three million for the weekend. Oh. And, you know, you know, go back Monday morning and say the food was great. Really? Really? So the answer is whether you can afford it or not, anybody that could cognitively go to Vegas for the weekend 
lose two, three, four million dollars and come back and smile, I think is a very sick person. That's my opinion only. He probably would 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 argue with me saying, "You're in trouble, Howard. I'm not. I can pay my bills." Yeah, that might be true, but that doesn't mean that gambling three million every weekend because you can afford it doesn't make you sick. It does, in my opinion. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Can you spot an addicted gambler? That's my, uh, I love that question. That, that's my forte, George. When, um, when I go to the casino and, and people laugh, I spend more time in the casino now than I used to when I was a gambler because I <laughs> work. I, I obviously work there. Most of my cases take place in the casino, following husbands or wives or what have you. The answer is categorically yes. I could literally within 15 minutes when I walk in, I can spot, I'm not going to say everybody, that would be a stretch and a lie, but I could spot easily 10, 15 people who really should be home watching television or more importantly, home listening to Coast to Coast because they should certainly not be in the casino. It's the body language of George, which I've studied and I love, like a cop, um, the sweating, the twitching, um, the nervousness, talking to themselves. 
talking to the machines, swearing at the machines, hitting the machines. You know, people Jeez. who play blackjack who talk to the cards. Really? I mean, I don't think so. So yeah, I can I can spot a pathological gambler a mile away. Absolutely. What creates the addiction? for something like gambling? What are they after? What are they missing in their life that they need to replace it with gambling? You know, again, again, a great question, because I've always asked that of myself, George. And as I've mentioned, and I'll mention this publicly in front of millions of people, I laugh for nothing. Um, I come from a great middle-class family in Montreal. Dad was a lawyer. Mom had her own business. Um, the greatest brother that any human being could possibly ask for, as you well know, in full disclosure, you know who he is. The greatest guy in the world. I had. Not left for for full disclosure. He's a very successful Hollywood writer for television shows. Okay, I don't want Billy's head to swell while he's listening, but that's all true. <laughs> and more importantly, George, just a great human being, a great family man and helped me through thick and thin, um, through hell. But yes, so that's, that's, that's my brother. And he, even though he moved away 40 plus years ago to New York and LA, we still speak these days since our parents are gone. We probably speak five to seven times a week, sometimes twice in a day, texting all the time. He just wished me good luck before I came on the air a little while ago. And I had a sister who unfortunately passed away at 52 and she was the greatest woman in the world, too. Cornell University grad, a genius. So all that to say is that my background, I, I lacked for nothing. I wanted to be a pilot, and my dad made sure that I went to flight school while I was going to university. And I did meet my dream, and I did become a pilot. So I really have no complaints. So all that to say, why did I become addicted to gambling? I can't tell you. I, I, I don't want to make up an answer, and I've been thinking about that for years and years. I don't know. I, I think I just love the excitement of being in a casino. Um, oh, yeah, but couldn't you have done that without being addicted? Probably, but my my problem was, as I remember it, and we're going back 40-plus years, is when I first began gambling. We have to remember that gambling really was only in the form of an actual casino. Let's, let's turn the clock back 40-plus years, right? So at that time, there were no casinos in Canada. As a matter of fact, the first casino in Canada, or here in Montreal, opened up in October of 93. It's going to be 30 years this October that the Montreal Casino exists, meaning for the 10 years prior to that, the only gambling I did was driving down to Atlantic City with my wife and or my folks or on my own um, or taking a trip down to Vegas. And I just literally ate it up. I loved it. I'm pretty good in math, I, I must say. Um, I sort of found out that I could not count cars, but some type of photographic memory when I was in flight school. So that helped me play blackjack. But again, 40-plus years, who am I kidding? How much did it help? I ruined my life. So I suppose my counting was not that great, and my math was not good enough. <laughs> It's difficult. I know a lot of yeah. Hollywood people who love Vegas, but uh, I would not call them addicted. They just go and have fun, and they come back and they do their thing. I used to have okay. a I used to have a rule to take as much as you could lose, and that's it. And if you lose it, you lose it. 
a hundred percent, George, and that's that's a great mantra to go by. The problem is nowadays, of course, with the access of everybody having credit cards and debit cards and what have you, people can get money from 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 all different places uh, when they're away, and it's always you know that one more, one more, one more. But you're right. Ninety-five percent of those that gamble do not have a problem, and they do go and they have fun. They see a show, they dine with their partner or their family, they enjoy themselves. They sit by the pool in Vegas when the weather is suitable, and they just enjoy the noise, the people, the people watching. Absolutely, in those days, I could not care less about the food. I could not care less about the pool. I could not care less about people watching. All I wanted to do was sit at a blackjack table, and the faster a dealer could deal, the happier I was, <laughs> which was completely ludicrous. Because another little stat: obviously they're going to win, which means the faster you play, the more you're going to lose, the faster you're going to lose, and the more depressed you're going to be. I did nothing right except stopping. And there's nothing worse than getting a dealer who has no personality. Oh my God! <laughs> they they sap you. They sap the table. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a great story that I didn't tell when I was on the air back in October. It's a great story, and I can say it publicly because it's not. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with this story. I was playing blackjack with Aaron Spelling at Caesars, and I didn't really know who he was until somebody said, "You know, who's sitting next to you?" Great producer, one of the greatest. Absolutely. And this this has to make you laugh in contrast to talking about Jordan and Barkley. Um, it was him and, and I playing. And I don't want to lie. I don't remember. I was probably playing 25 or $50 a hand blackjack. George, Coast to Coast listeners, Mr. Spelling was playing $2 a hand. You're going back 30 plus years and they had blackjack for two dollars and five dollars a hand i love and it and two dollars a hand the dealer had an ace and he literally stopped the game looked at me and said just a minute sir and he was thinking if he should take insurance for a dollar <laughs> so, so so there you go that that just goes to show about like my late aunt used to say that's why heinz makes 57 varieties all kinds of people and he lost about a hundred bucks and he was not a happy guy. Not happy with 100 probably, and, and that was probably the apex of his career when, like, every second show on television was his. I love yeah. it. For a buck, I remember saying, Mr. Spelling, here's a white ship. Can we please continue playing? Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.